comic book pit. Okay. How's everyone feeling? Everyone good to go? Yeah. Dan, uh, I think you're going to have your hands full tonight. I don't know what's going to happen. I do not. I. Well, this is your home turf, so. It is, but the yeah, exhaust you. has invaded. Yeah. Three to one. I mean, you might have you have home field advantage, but. I don't know. Do we play good on the road? Who knows? We've only. We'll, we'll, well, yeah, I think we've had a couple solid Three Rivers performances. Yeah. We absolutely crushed it at uh, Hack Media. Or the Hack Center, what the, what's that place called down on the north north side? Hack what? Media, where we oh blew oh fog, uh, we blew we we what? debated the comic book. No, that's these <sighs> guys. No, no, no. Um, the comic. What what was their what was their name? I forget. But we did the debate. Nerd Exchange. The Nerd Exchange. The what, Nerd what, Exchange. When was this, and, and what was it? Holy smokes! It was probably in 2014, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, we did a full a roundtable debate style, or it, I guess it was a back and forth debate style um, conversation about DC versus Marvel. Okay. And uh, they they were it was their home turf. They got to pick Marvel, and uh, we took DC, and it oh. was. The movies, the cartoons, um, wow, everything, okay. and we, comic books, and we took turns going back and forth and debating them. Where you know, they would have uh, you know five minutes to make their case, and then we would re retort. And there, uh, yeah, it was there it was, was a moderator, and by the end he declared that it was a draw. But in reality, I think um, we hang on one second, Paul. In reality, we uh, podcasted them. Into submission, we, nice. we 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 debated them into retirement. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they have a. Podcast they did one anymore. or two shows <laughs> just, after that. And they that just was gave it. up. Yes, they they canceled their iTunes account. And is th- this is going to be live on Facebook? It is right now. It is right now. It is oh, right it's now. Live. Do we want to oh, yes, post that to our Facebook fans? Can we? Can uh, we do Can it we live? do that? It. I, I think it. it um, if you want to. I think you can share it from the comic book pit Facebook page because I think okay. whenever we go live, it, there's like an announce, there's like a link that goes up or like a post. So you might be able to just share it from that if that's easier. Okay, I'll try that right I'll now. Try to talk uh, talk amongst yourselves. Try to blast this out here too, Matt and Dan. Talk about talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Dan, do you have like a, an intro? Well, yeah, I usually. Uh, I mean, we don't have anything pre-recorded. I usually just. Uh, Say something like "Hello and welcome to Comic Book Pit, episode 276," which is happening right now. Is that your intro, or is that you just saying? I'm how doing you're the. Int- do I'm just going to do the intro. Okay, that's I'm, the official. That's okay. the. This is the official intro. We have officially started. Oh, we're so, going. Yeah. 
Here we are. Here we are. We're, we're just we're jumping in. Both I like feet. that poor Dan had to say it about a bazillion times that we are live and this is the show we're doing it right now. Before you guys were like, oh, so so now now like right now he invited us. He gets quit. I we knew, break. I knew what I was getting into. He did. So uh, as usual, I'm Dan. I'm the I'm the host of Comic Book Pit, and uh, my crew bailed on me tonight. So. I've got the gentleman from the McSauce podcast here in the Sorgatron Media Studios. So if you guys want to go around starting from uh, C-3PO, if you want to introduce yourself. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. And Matt Casal. And we make up the McSauce comic book podcast. And we have, we're basically the uh, the stunt doubles for the uh, for the comic book pit. Oh please, yeah, we're the uh, we're the backups <laughs> or the the bench. Yeah, to pull the bench out. Get out of here. We're the fall guys. <laughs> we have an amazing theme song, but don't get the girl. <laughs> that is that is one of the best theme songs. Yeah, sung by Lee Majors. Yes, that's right. Is it really? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was like a it was like a top forty hit. Yeah. For a few years, or for like a year or something like that, it was up there. Yeah. Yeah, I love that song. It still pops up on my um, in my shuffle on every time. Crank that guy to eleven. Mm-hmm. Big Lee, Lee Majors guy, huh? I I love the fall guy. I love that big ugly brown pickup truck that he had. <laughs> it uh, we my my wife and I watched the uh, the, the pilot episode of that um, a few months ago, and it's uh, I don't know if I can can say that it it holds up at all in any way, shape, or form. Well, the song doesn't really hold up. A lot of dated, <laughs> yeah. dated names like yeah. uh, you know Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, who who cameos as herself in the pilot? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, at the very end. So, um, but yeah, but anyways, the uh, uh, McSauce podcast—they're joining me in the studio tonight. We're going to talk some uh, talk some comics and uh, see what other shenanigans we can get into. Dan, we really appreciate you having us. Oh, I appreciate you guys being here. I'm glad you could. Uh, oh, already making a mess. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, glad you guys could visit us in the studio, and you know. Yeah, you got a nice setup here. You got uh, multi-cam action happening. I don't uh, know which camera to I look. Did, I, I can't take any of the credit for any of this. I just show up and I push buttons, and I'm I'm an idiot with all of this. Well, it's very nice. We're idiots, and we have. Uh, we have a nice setup, but not not a lot of cameras, and not mm-hmm. no, uh, there's no uh, no headphones. We mm-hmm. we I think that we would no probably no soundproofing. Mm-hmm. We definitely would blow our eardrums out every week if we had headphones. Would have so. to have them cranked way down. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Maybe once we get a little more comfortable, yeah. we do that here. Yeah, you never know. We should bring that that home that home game on the road here. I see. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I guess we just jump into some uh, some comic talk. I, I see everyone's kind of got the Man of Steel number one out. What well, is- I, I thought we were going to talk Man of Steel and um, Amazing Spider-Man number 800. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. That's, those are kind of like, well, for me, I mean, and, and you guys can talk about really whatever you want. Those, for me, those were the two big books that I read this week. Well, yeah, those are the you know, two big like, heavy hitters. I mean... One's kicking off a brand new series, and the other is kind of wrapping up um, a run. I wouldn't yeah. call it how, an epic run. 
but it, it was a but, run. Yeah, a significant number. I mean, how long has he been? How long has Dan Slott been writing since the beginning of time? Unfortunately, <laughs> did he start on Brand New Day? <laughs> I, he started after it with a a series called The Gauntlet. I want to say is that is that right, Dan? That sounds about right. I. I I'm going to defer to you because I feel like well, you you are smarter than us. Well, don't give me that much. I appreciate it, but uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. You know, I've I've been an off and on um, Spider-Man reader. I was reading, you know, I read Brand New Day and I read The Gauntlet and I read up to whatever um, anniversary issue was around them. It must have been like <clears throat> seven hundred, maybe. Or no, maybe it was six. Actually, I don't. I don't know. The numbering's all screwed up, right? I mean, with all the reboots and everything, I don't know how they got to eight hundred, but I guess they did. Um, I think what they did was they announced that they were going to start renumbering to the legacy numbering, mm-hmm. and then they were like, "Well, what's pretty close to the next <laughs> milestone?" Yeah. Okay, eight hundred. Let's just say we're going to start at seven eighty-five or seven ninety. Yeah. And and we'll bust out 10 issues and then we'll get there uh, mm-hmm. i bet there's not somebody that actually counted every single reboot every negative one issue every 0.1 issue mm-hmm. that they've done no this to is actually get there this is the comic book community there are plenty nerds out there who know like to the decimal you, so you believe, which books which you and believe that this 800 is legitimately arrived at i would I, imagine so because like Paul said, there's going to be somebody out there that's counting through every single one of their books mm-hmm. and going through and meticulously tallying it up. They have a spreadsheet. They're adding it all up. They have a formula. I'm I, pretty sure. That sounds great. Uh, I appreciate your uh, faith in in their honesty. I don't share that because it's a little too perfect that mm-hmm. when they came back and they started doing legacy numbering, that every single book was less than a year away from a major milestone issue number 500 number 600 number 800 like thor daredevil captain america spider-man yeah they're they're all like coming up on that hundred whatever hundred big milestone issue yeah that's bullcrap so you're calling them out on that you're, you're challenging the, I'm calling the numbers out game. I'm and, and not cursing at the same time. I guess <laughs> I guess Marvel just doesn't give a shit because I would yeah, – There goes our, our clean episode. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a light one. It's a light curse. Yeah. I, w- I would like, – there's no way they could – I mean, I guess they don't have to care what they do. They're Marvel. They can do whatever they want. I love but that you I guys would, are like, there's no way that people can count numbers. <laughs> and well, there's no way that anybody can keep track of it. Right. This. But like I would, ex- I would expect – Marvel to have to really get that right because, like, so many comic book readers yeah. are so meticulous well, that they're not going to let that go. Well, you're right. I was they gonna, just skip, like, seven issues to get to 800. I was going to say, there are probably people out there. I mean, Marvel's this giant corporation, and they've got how many numbers of employees that they could pay to do it. You know, there's someone out there for free sitting in their basement going, like, 597, 598. <laughs> Hold on, you know, and then just like my counting, argument you know, though is what qualifies as a as an issue of Spider-Man? Does like does the negative one issue actually count as one of the eight hundred? And does the um, you know one point five issues and all that nonsense that they've had over the years? Where do they draw the line? And I think they fudge it. 
to get where they need it to be. That's what I think, but whatever. But why, why do that now? Like, why make it so that a handful of books are all hitting milestone numbers now? Why what not just wait do? until it happens? Listen, <laughs> they want to double dip. They're, they're going to do the legacy renumbering. Oh, and what do you know? The very next issue of Amazing Spider-Man, it's, it's going to be number one. I mean, it's going to have that big number one on it. I think in the barcode they're going to have the legacy 70 or 801, but they're going to, they're going to basically market it as Amazing Number One because milestone issues are what sells, whether they're number 800 or number one. Do people still, mm. Buy number ones all like that is that does that still move the needle if people are so burned out like the people that they're targeting us are burned out with that we're not tricked anymore by that um we are tricked by that maybe not you specifically but why would they keep doing it over and over and over and over again i mean to because um, sales are terrible diminishing returns (laughs) well right but that's because maybe the product isn't that great well, I think I think the market isn't that great, or like who they're selling to. You know, it's it's to like diminishing returns. It's like you can only keep going back to the well of forty-year-old guys so many times. And I wonder if they decided to hit all those milestones for all those major characters, because what movie just came out? Infinity War with all these major characters. So maybe they're trying to double down on their, you know, their movie and comic book side I don't know it always seems like that's a bad way for them to do it whenever they try to oh, focus it, the, the movies yeah. and, it never well, works. And, and make it dovetail with Damn. the comics yeah. because the same audiences aren't going back to, to take a look at those books and right. no, no matter how much you make them yeah. look as similar to the movie counterparts mm-hmm. it's not going to be the same it's not going to be the same experience and the people that have been following those books for years they don't want to see necessarily the the characters that were on screen. They want the heroes that have been building throughout the years. So it's, yep. it's sort of like a double-edged sword. Yeah. I don't know where they're going to get this, like the new, younger audience that they're always looking for. Yeah, I don't or, know. That they're always chasing. I, I kind of doubt that it is out there. I think that there's too much competition to, to really capture that new, young audience. Like maybe they could when we were young, younger mm-hmm. Um, but Dan, to your Young point, world. They, they they just relaunched Avengers at number one. Yeah, that just so happened to come out, I believe, the same week as Infinity War. So mm-hmm. um, I, that wasn't accidental, right? And and almost and pretty much every single one of those characters, minus Ghost Rider, was and She Hulk was in the movie. Yeah. So Marvel knows what it's doing. <laughs> Well, so so getting back to that milestone issue, um, what did everyone think about number eight hundred? I know you know Dan Slott's kind of like a very polarizing figure in general as far as you know his longevity on the book and you know. Oh, I want to ask you something, Dan. Are yeah. what's your relationship with Dan Slott? Have are you a a Spider Man fan? Um, like um, I am. I I love the character of Spider-Man. I can't always agree with how they you know how they treat him how they it's like a roller coaster like one minute he's the, you know the owner of this multi-billion dollar corporation next next thing oh you know poor Parker he's broke again and he's a photographer and he's living in a shitty apartment 
with you know four Hungarians or whatever. I mean, he's you know it's like they, I love those issues. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they get a little awkward. <laughs> um, but the Hungarian years were the best years of Spider Man. <laughs> I'm just saying. I thought that arc was called Perfect Strangers. <laughs> but like, but, but as far as Dan Slott goes, like I. I loved his Silver Surfer run with Mike Allred. Um, his Spider-Man run, I was hit or miss with. And I've, I haven't been collecting Spider-Man consistently, probably. I would pick up an issue here or there. I probably haven't actually been collecting it, like I said, since... Um, when did... Uh, what issue was it that Doc Ock became Spider-Man? Uh, I don't like six hundred or something. That was, if I'm not mistaken, that was its own series called the Superior Spider-Man. Right, but it happened in like the it, like in Amazing uh, Amazing right? Spider-Man ended with like issue six hundred, and that's when the transference right. took place. And and are those issues of Superior Spider-Man rolled into the eight hundred <laughs> of Amazing? Just out of curiosity, You're no have, one knows. Know. We don't know. I can't wait till the uh, the accounting department for Marvel. Listens to this podcast and I'm like, well, actually, Matt. So they're watching. Send, they're send, watching right now. I'm waiting for a yeah. knock on the door. They're gathering up the the spreadsheet. To they're send called over yeah. To they're you. called Big Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, mind an answer. Yeah. Oh yeah. So so you're kind of hit and miss with Dan Slot. Um, right. I, I think myself and Matt included are miss and miss with Dan Slot. Mm-hmm. I haven't purchased Spider Man on a regular basis since uh, JMS and John Romita Jr. were on it, and that was upwards of, geez, 12 years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. Over a decade. Um, the, yeah, all that the was stuff long. that they did with Brand New Day really left mm-hmm. a bad taste in my mouth, and everything yeah, since has been weird, from the Superior Spider-Man <laughs> stuff, making Doc Ock the, Spider-Man, the, the, the main Spider-Man character for, yeah. year, for at least well, a year or two, something like that. It was that. over a year. It went, over a year, that, yeah. Well, that series went for, like, over 30 issues. Yeah, thirty six issues or something. Yeah, and, 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 and again, uh, they had Peter Parker come back, even though they insisted um, Peter Parker is is gone. Spider Man from now on is really Doctor Octopus in there, which was obviously a lie. But they were kind of doing mm-hmm. the whole wrestling thing and you know trying to make us believe it was real. And uh, they finally brought Spider Man back when. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was coming out in theaters, and if you've been reading comic books long enough, you kind of saw that coming a mile away. So would you prefer them to just not play the game and just say, yeah, we're going to bring Peter back eventually, but... You know, we're going to see where the storyline goes. We're going to play this out. Probably. I mean, personally, I hated that storyline, so I'd prefer they not write something so terrible. Right, but mm-hmm. just in general, not that particular storyline. Yeah. And are they? Are you the audience that the they're faking for, or is there is there an audience that hasn't been around comic books so yeah, long that Dan, doesn't see through their crap? Dan Slott. That thinks, oh shit, Dan Slott said he's dead. Peter's really dead. Yeah, I read um, a quote. Of Dan Slotts, and it was back when they finally announced, oh, yeah, Peter Parker's really coming back. And, yeah, I know I lied. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do and, and look a little kid in the face and tell him, yeah, that's really Spider-Man. And he had to lie to this kid. Um, personally, I think he should have felt bad for the kid that he had been feeding him 10 years of shit Spider-Man. Mm. But uh, 
but I guess that little that little white lie was what really what really touched his soul. <laughs> well, this is uh, this is Dan Slott's swan song. So mm-hmm. this is it. You know, his last billion pages of a comic book because this so, thing seemed well, uh, really that, really long. It was. It was like eighty pages. It was ninety. Was it? Yeah. Or did it just feel like no, 90? No, no, it was 90. Comicsology, because I kept looking to see how many pages I had left to go. <laughs> and it was, you know, page, I was like mm-hmm. page two of 90. I'm like, oh, my God. It felt like 90,000. <laughs> yeah, it was It was very long. Uh, and I don't think that the, I, you, I guess you can't have just one illustrator do the whole book anymore. You have to have uh, a bunch of different people come and guest star on this book. I don't even know mm-hmm. who the regular artist is on Amazing it's Spider-Man. It's Stuart Immonen, and he is and he's great. Yeah, he's amazing. amazing. Yeah. yeah, I'm as excited as I am for Ryan Otley to take over. I'm really sad to see Stuart Immonen go because he is at the top of his game oh, as yeah. an illustrator. As a matter of fact, he's one of the best. I would say I believe he, he might... retired this week. <laughs> right? Oh, well, he, didn't, yeah, he retired he after not... this issue, which kind of sucks. He was Did like, he enough. for real retire? Well, enough Dan are you joking? <laughs> no, no, for real. He, 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 there was a statement um, that he put out basically saying like um, he's done He's done with comics for now. I mean, he, he might come back at some future point, but he's oh pretty much done with comics. And it's like and for for his last, you know, like work for now to be the those whatever eight or ten pages that he did as part of this ensemble art piece, mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's that's not really, you know, a proper send off for someone of Eminem's talent. You know, well, was I kind, would agree I mean, with that. That I was think, kind of sad to me. I think he is probably the best. Com- current guy comic book artist in the game currently. Absolutely. Well, or was up until this particular issue. I'm going to blame was, this on Dan Slott burning him out. Yeah, and that was the frustrating <laughs> thing. It was like you have this incredible art and this lousy story, and it, it was so frustrating that that the, the, the writing couldn't even come close to matching the level of the artwork. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the biggest problem is that this book is just crammed, jammed, packed with stuff. So many characters, so many different things. Yeah. Uh, you have to – it's a real um, feat. Uh, it's a real exercise of the mind just to figure out, all right, well, Flash Thompson is the anti-Venom, and this is what that character does. And if, you've, if you're if you a lapsed Spider-Man reader, like I think a, like some me. of us are. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. So, so you kind of have to do a dual Wikipedia page while you're also reading this book to figure right. out – how who Normie Osborne is and why he oh, that, also is Carnage. Like he like Nor okay, so Harry Osborne's married with kids. I didn't know that. So Liz Allen? Yeah. And and but then like they own like some some company that Alchemax yeah. and and that's what Red Goblin was after. Because Alchemax bought Oscorp. Is that what it was? Okay. I get that sounds putting together with the book told that sounds me. that's a better story already. <laughs> I uh, Mary yeah. Jane Mary Jane works at Stark Still works Industries. At Stark. Also has yeah. an Iron Man glove. Everybody can fight. JJ yeah. Jameson has a spider has access well, to that, a spider slayer. Spider slayer armor is really old school stuff. That was the only yeah, part but, of the book Matt liked. But I no no I 
Mm. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. Like, I know about the Spider Slayer stuff, but I just felt yeah. like everyone had to have some right. kind of powers or join into the fight. There were no side characters. There were no supporting cast. Everybody was yeah. a featured player. I'm like, uh, is this a Spider-Man book or going what? Going back to the length of this book, like, I'm... I'm on two sides of it because, like, I am 99% a hard copy reader. Like, I never get digital books. It took me forever to find out how to buy this book this morning to read it. And by the time I did that... <laughs> Techno Paul. Right. I was um, reading it through Guided View, and it just felt oh, so long because I didn't yeah. have the book in front of me. Like, I couldn't physically see how much was left, now, and it kept going Guided and going View is when it goes panel to panel, right? Right. Yeah. That, I would have blown my brains out. But that's on the other, read it. see that, and that's, <laughs> that's how I read all of my comics. It doesn't bother me at all. But on the I, other hand, I'm like, I'm but glad for that that, long, that that length would be really rough. Right, it was, it was tough, but I mean, I, I don't. Well, know. I also like that it was a full book of story. I was afraid mm-hmm. I was going to pay ten dollars for eighty pages, and forty of them were going to be pinups and like no. interviews with Dan Slott. I, I, like, I'm glad it was a an actual entire comic book. I will agree, yeah, to to that that. From from page one to page wherever it ended, um, it was just nonstop. Which you know, I, I, I found it like fun in general. Um, yeah, there were definitely things that stuck out to me, like like you said, Ian. All the like the twenty four characters that were in this book. That you know, all the various like spider heroes that I have no idea who is who. I've um, never heard of. Clash. Clash? Yeah, who's Clash? I've never heard of Clash I kn- either. I knew who Silk was, based, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, and anti- Agent Anti Venom, worst name ever. Um, but then, uh, and why does that have to be Flash Thompson? Because everybody is a featured player. Everyone. I'm surprised has to have something to do. I'm surprised Aunt May didn't come in there with a Gatling gun or something. Yeah, right. like oh, that, well, or well, she, she even jumped in and she like broke a chair over. Someone's head or Normie. something. Yeah. What a terrible name. And then I, th- I thought that oh, every, my God. and then and then they named the other kid Stanley. Ugh. Ugh. Like, Thanks, uh, Thanks Dan Slott. Stanley's yeah. kitschy, but like Wait. Normie's just dumb. Every no, time they said Normie, terrible. I cringed. Yeah. No way. So, Normie's not dumb. Normie's good. And Stan Stanley is dumb. But uh, Ian, yeah. you're. I know for a fact you are a big time, long time Spider-Man fan. Yes. Uh, what do you? Um, is the the main takeaway that you had from this issue? Like, what do you feel that this issue <clears throat> represents for Spider-Man or for you personally? Well, it didn't feel... It felt like the end of an era, an era that I didn't participate in very much. Uh, it was cluttered with a bunch of bad ideas and uh, a bad way to handle Peter Parker and Spider-Man in general. Um, th- this isn't like a jumping on point for me, but... I am a little bit intrigued to see what happens next because I feel mm-hmm. thankfully that all of this stuff is done. There's so many things that happened in this book from like the sharing of the symbiote to just Ugh. like yeah, I didn't know what to really how to feel about that. It was just you want me to tell you? It was, you just, <laughs> <laughs> it was just dumb and I hated I mean, it. The sharing of the venom symbiote. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That and fucking black sorry. That's all right. <laughs> That black costume. We, we made it about twenty minutes, ladies like, and gentlemen. That black costume was so dumb. Like I saw where the story was going, 
and I saw what was going to happen. I'm like, oh, this is going to be really cool. We're going to get to see, like, the original Infinity Wars black costume. And then it's this weird new design with eyes that stick Why off the, the head. Why were the eyes sticking oh, out? Like, I, don't, I, don't I know. know. I hated that. Yeah. I was at that point I was I was pulling for Norman Osborne. Absolutely. Dan, let me tell you something. <laughs> yes, um, sir. I Here it comes. What? No. Let I, me have it. I really love Humberto Ramos. I felt like that guy oh, is no. is one of the better Spider Man artists over the years. Like if you go back and you read um the spectacular Spider Man run that he had that was written by Paul Jenkins, and it featured I, Venom in the first arc, and then yeah. Doc Ock in I the next one. I did read those, yeah. So good. I don't know what happened between then and now, but he he really struggles with like the organic nature of mm-hmm. characters like Venom and Carnage, with like showing kind of the the symbiote, which I believe is the correct pronunciation. Paul, is that? <laughs> I I get yeah Symb- symbiote symbiote yeah. Because they had that stupid thing in this comic where they were looking for um, Mr. Sim or something. What was it? Uh, yeah, he was. He was. Oh, he, oh, Eddie Brock changed his name to yeah, Mr. Sim or he, something. He was uh, like anonymously yeah. sending in uh, yeah. photographs or something like that. Yeah, and that's how like Jonah reached out to him. Jay Jonah reached out to him, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he. Did some detective work. How dumb, Eddie I don't, Brock. You I dumb, don't know dummy. what happened yeah. to um, to Humberto Ramos over the years. He's he has gotten sloppy. Yeah, I have not liked Humberto Ramos actually for a long time. Did you ever? I mean, I did like way back in the day. Like, I don't know if you remember if it was late nineties, early two thousands. He did this. Yeah, it was called Crimson. No, well, I, I never read that. He did a book. I forget who he did it with, but it was called Out There. It was like a five or six issue, or maybe it was longer. It might have been like a ten or twelve issue like miniseries from Image. When was that? Or it was, was it, that, it, it was a, it, was that yeah. after Crimson? It was a cliffhanger book. It was I think it was after Crimson. Yeah, it would have been. And it was like this uh, supernatural like like a like kids in grade school like trying to solve I, like supernatural mysteries or something. I don't think something. I ever read that, but it, I that, want to. Know. That was probably the last time I really liked him like these like i see him now and it's I, I i can't stand like the googly eyes he draws and all the i mean i i, I can appreciate some like exaggeration yeah but the fight between it, red like, goblin and venom was just a, it was a mess i didn't know what it, was going really on was. and it i don't know man although like, i think and that's the problem uh, with a lot of the art and i thought the art went on a roller coaster ride for this yeah. this 800th book and i guess if you're if you're slapping together four or five different artists, it's going to be a little bit like that, but right. it's a shame. It's right? hard. To, it's going to be hard to be consistent, but I think the one thing they did consistently across the board was make the Red Goblin look terrible at every turn. <laughs> yeah, I've I never mean, seen a. I've never seen Red Goblin before, mm-hmm. and I like. I hate it. I hate that design. It looks it so just, ridiculous. It was just like a big like. Sloppy but mass of like red and certainly, it, certainly, there's a better design out there. Is it for that. really yeah. any less ridiculous than the concept of the character itself? I mean, what a stupid character! Yeah, the Green Goblin somehow isn't interesting enough. We have to merge him with another villain. <laughs> I, just, I was, I was immediately more interested at the very end when he took off the symbiote right? and was just the, yes, Green Goblin. the Green Goblin again. Yeah, that that's what I wanted to see. Green Goblin versus Spider-Man. No symbiotes. 
just Can't, you know I don't I don't want to kind of blow my load here but I, I just have to say it because I thought this issue was just rotten I think it was <laughs> an absolutely horrendous way to cap a 10 year run whether it was a good run or not this this story was and I think you summed it up actually very well with this is not a 10-year run that I've been particularly invested in. I don't like it. It seems like a lot of the situations uh, for a lot of these mainstay characters was was bizarre. Uh, I, I don't think that they really had any of these characters grow in any meaningful ways. It seemed very gimmicky across the it was board. Very heavy-handed, and very ham-fisted. Ex- yeah, like, extremely. Yeah. You- um, th- this issue with every – well, I didn't read it you know on paper but i read it on my ipad but with every page turn i felt like i was getting more agitated by this book i was getting actually angry (laughs) reading it it was so bad it is one of the worst spider-man stories i have ever read in my life i wonder if this book means more to the hardcore dance lot fans the fans that have it been reading to. Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. for this entire run, like, was a lot of this fan service? Did a lot of this hit home with that o- that audience? I yeah. haven't read a Spider-Man book since uh, I, since they the first issue. Peter was Peter again, out of Doc Ock's brain, and mm-hmm. I got two issues in, and it was super weird, and I know I, I I couldn't go back. So maybe the Dan Slott fans, this was. A little bit of fan service to them. Uh, it did feel very simple. Almost like, mm-hmm. Ian, when we came out of Solo, you said, we could have written that movie. <laughs> because it was pretty much A plus B equals C. Mm-hmm. Like, there was nothing, there were no really smart twists and turns about it. And this felt this felt like that. Um, yeah. And even, I guess, the, the parts that were supposed to be twists and turns, like Peter puts the black suit on again, didn't feel that way. I thought all the dialogue was really cheesy yeah i thought i I thought i was gonna feel something when when we saw him wearing the black suit again and i was like eh, no well because they ruined it with that garbage design yeah exactly i don't know what could have possibly possessed them to have the eyeballs sticking off like lenses yeah is that a is that something from this run i don't know i I, yeah i don't know where that came from i mean uh, again yeah like you said to be fair i've not read spider-man so I don't know if that is a thing. Where's but. where's our dance law fans at? Hit us up. There there have to be some of them There's out there. Be someone out there. <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man sells a lot of copies of comic books, from what I understand. Play, mm-hmm. play devil's advocate. Tell us why this run was good. Why this book was good. Yeah. I don't have anything invested in in Spider-Man. Like no, I was just kind of bored with this book. I was. Uh, yeah. For me, it was. It was. I just wanted to check in. I figured, well, this would be a good good way to check in um with this milestone issue like there's going to be a lot of stuff happening and i feel like i could jump into this and not really have which i i kind of did i was able to jump in and really not have you know i felt i didn't feel like i had to have read the last 40 issues to understand what was going on it was just like okay green goblin has the carnage symbiote chaos ensues whatever um but uh, what's the one thing? I, the other thing I really didn't—I I didn't like the uh, funeral scene at the end. I thought it was like just real, like continued the cheesiness, and, and it actually then, amplified it. 
Yeah, and the fact that he, you know, is like he he's at a funeral and he's like, oh, gonna jump into action as Spider Man, and like he just leaves his best friend's funeral. I just yeah. thought it was kind of weird. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it just just everything was. Um, it it is as if a 13-year-old wrote this book and was like, like, what would be really cool? Let's combine Green Goblin and Carnage and make the kid Green Goblin and Carnage at the same time. And So it's just know. fan fiction. Yeah, that totally <laughs> that's, like that's that. perfect. Dan mm-hmm. Slott is the best worst <laughs> fan fiction writer in all of comics. I like how uh, by the time we get to the funeral, J. Jonah Jameson has – has gone back to the Hitler stash. So I was going to say, he had a different... He, yeah, Marcos Martin drew his uh, his original stash. Yeah, he just didn't give a shit. Yeah. He's like, oh, I don't care what happens a page before this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess I'd have to say, what, uh, four thumbs down on Amazing Spider-Man yeah. 800? Yeah, I guess so. I want to um, give it every appendage that I have Dan, down. Dan, what... What rating system do you guys give comics and movies? Uh, I don't know that we we have anything official. It's we either kind of like it or we don't like it, and it's just to varying degrees. <coughs> we don't have any kind of system that I'm aware of. We do the McSauce ten point scale. Yeah, I've 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 heard your scale. Want to explain it to? Uh, to uh, people that maybe aren't aren't familiar with it, uh, since early on when we started doing the podcast, episode three, sure, a long time ago, I thought Matt would know off the top of his head. He might not be listening to me. <laughs> we started uh, we started something called polynomics, where it has no real foundation in mathematics, but going in it, <laughs> going into movies, we'll we'll um, we'll pick our excitement and expectation. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no cross-referencing or, like, dividing or multiplying of those numbers that means anything. Right. It's, it's just those numbers, right? Numbers. And then there's a third independent number after we see said product. So I think our final polynomial score for Amazing Spider-Man 800 is going to be pretty low. Pretty low. I'd probably give it a four. Uh, I'd three. Go, I'm going to go. I'd, I'm going to go three. Yeah, I'm I was going to say, I would go lower. I'd, I'd give it a three. I'm, there's some quality art in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... The hope that whatever comes next will be something that I'll be interested in. So, um, so I give it a three, and that's that's the next thing that I want to talk to you guys about after you know we go around a little bit. Does this make you excited for Spider-Man in some sick, twisted way? Because it makes me kind of excited because this is bad, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm, I'm excited for good stuff. I'm gonna say actually no, only because I read the Amazing Spider-Man. Free Comic Book Day issue mm-hmm. with uh, was it Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley? Yeah, and it just felt like more of the same. Yeah, it didn't really um, didn't throw me in any way, shape, or form. I mean, there were a couple of things I you know I I, I guess I enjoyed it somewhat, um, but uh, you know um, Peter just looked like a brown haired Mark Grayson. You know, like like the art isn't really. I mean, not that Ryan Otley is a bad. I, I love Ryan Otley's art, but it's. It, I don't think he's stepping up to a to like a main like a big time book. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's really um, putting anything extra into it than he you know than he did for Invincible. I felt so. the same way after I read this, except I went a little further and I was thinking maybe I don't like Spider Man. 
because I yeah, I, like I read Spider-Man as a concept. I don't think I, I I don't think I can read him anymore. I read yeah, I read the the Nick Spencer book and I was just like, "Oh, this this also seems just really pedestrian. It seems really yeah. like so, uh, like b- really kind of boring, like the same way this was. Like there's exciting things happening that I didn't find exciting. Yeah, I I kind of disagree with that because the Nick Spencer one wasn't bloated like this thing was. The Nick Spencer one was, while wordy, story-wise, it was stripped down to a really, really basic foundation. Mm-hmm. It, it grounded the character in a way that I don't think that that Dan Slott has done since day one. And, uh, Dan, I agree about the, the Ryan Otley artwork. I think that he is going to need to grow into it very similarly to how he grew into Invincible. When he first mm-hmm. started Invincible, he was doing a copy of the previous artist. Uh, the, his name was Corey Walker. He oh, was the right. co-creator yeah. of Invincible. And it took many issues, and it also took a colorist change to get rid of those really flat colors, to, to start adding some dimension to it, to really kind of enhance his overall artwork and i think mm-hmm. they got there for the most part this and this spider-man number one also has some pretty i'm flipping through it right now some real flat color work right but if you compare it to like those early days of invincible it's it's actually a, a lot more you know oh really more depth yeah. yeah uh but anyway with all that said um for me i'm like majorly excited for whatever comes after this because Ian and I are longtime Spider-Man fans. Like, that's our guy. Mm-hmm. And in a way, we've been kind of robbed of that for 10 years. And we've hung in there. And now it's our chance to finally read this character that we like. And uh, after that taste from the free comic book day book, I'm at least intrigued. I'm at mm-hmm. least interested to see where it goes. Although I think... We talked about this, Paul, on the on one of the episodes of uh, the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. It there was a pretty blatant disregard for kind of the core of that character in that book. Yeah, and uh, that was a little bit troubling mm-hmm. that this new writer misses such an obvious thing. And um, but bottom line, it's not Dan Slott. So yeah. I mean, like, Dan Slott, this is the worst run ever on the character. It's the longest, but it's the worst. Mm-hmm. I've never read this character. How long have we been reading comic books? Uh, since, what, 1991? Okay, so, Dan, you could do the math, but a while. And <laughs> and this was the absolute worst Spider-Man that, that we've ever read, mm-hmm. uh, starting with Brand New Day. Now... Here's something that I was kind of curious about because I, I've only kind of checked in and out of this book over those ten years. Did I know they undid Peter and Mary Jane's marriage? Mm-hmm. But it seemed like they they were a couple again. Am I? Oh, I didn't think they I'm, were a couple. I thought they were acquaintances. I'm wildly confused at their relationship now. Like I don't know what they're supposed to be. They called they're... her Miss Watson, I believe. So mm-hmm. I, I think we're led to believe they're not married. But I, for whatever reason, I get I assumed that they were a couple but maybe you're right paul maybe they are just acquaintances wasn't wasn't peter dating a little person a while ago yeah and i believe she's still around because if you get to the very end there's like a after the credits two pages 
that has is that uh, her? She yeah she's she's in the the last the final pages now was it whenever Pete when whenever Peter was Doc Ock though yeah they were oh, they were was? married okay. because when when Peter comes when Peter gets out and he's Peter again because those were that's when that was the relaunch that I picked up yeah and he's running Parker Industries and he's married to this person and like she knows everything that happened so like they're trying to justify between the two of them like they're married to the physical person but now this guy's not doc ock anymore and he's not a good guy he's peter it was it was so bizarre Mm. and that's when like you know they he owned parker industries and it was such a departure from everything that was um everything that i knew about spider-man like nothing was comfortable about that book it was like throwing spider-man in like the evil dead like it was, it was so different that I think that that's one of the reasons I had to dip after a couple issues. I was like this right. is bizarre. Just didn't belong. Just didn't. Yeah. Can someone tell me who uh, Mister Superior is at, at the end of that? Uh, isn't that, that Stinger? Isn't that Doc Ock? Like in? Oh, is, is it? I, yeah. I would. Imagine oh, is he? So. He's tall and handsome now. I mean, is that handsome? It looks like he has a very pointy head and a weird like <laughs> Nazi haircut. I think that's so. that's the artwork. But compared to what Doc Ock normally looks like, short fat with a bowl cut, like that guy's a stud. Right. Um, I'm going to say that this is Doc Ock because Doc Ock also never looked like how he appeared in Mm -hmm. this book, which was really strange. Yeah, it's it's 100% Doc Ock. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought because he's – he says something about him being superior, has the new, like, Doc Ock superior Spider-Man costume. The tie there. is green. Like, are we really going to do more of oh, this geez. Doc Ock? Is this stuff that, is Spider-Man that Nick Spencer can just throw in the garbage? Like, uh, hopefully a lot of stuff uh, from Ryan Johnson that J.J. can throw in the garbage? Dan, see, I told you we weren't going to be able to do this without crapping on Star Wars. Well, Matt, that's a good that's a good analogy. That's a perfect analogy for perfect analogy for you. Yeah, for no, it's a perfect analogy for for the example because like I don't this isn't the Spider-Man I want. I don't want I don't want Peter involved with Parker Industries or this this woman or this who knows if it's going to have any. Mm-hmm. Any effect or on the Dan new Amazing Slott Spider-Man stuff? Is announced stuff. to come back to Amazing Spider-Man in ten years after the long-awaited. Oh, return. the ten-year <laughs> anniversary. Matthew, do you want to give us your number? Nice. Uh, it's a two. Uh, there's some good artwork in here, but mostly it's not good artwork, and it's all bad writing. So, it, and and this book represents it caps the darkest time for me ever in reading this character and uh it's lucky it got it too but Stuart Eminent artwork kind of elevates it at least a bit but um this was terrible this was absolute dog shit uh and something that kind of scared the crap out of me as I'm reading this I was looking at it like as we're talking here apparently this isn't Dan Slott's it's last not. issue it's no yeah. he has one more 801 Good lord yeah. help us I know <laughs> Yeah, I was oh. I was surprised at that. I thought this from everything I heard, this was going to be his last issue. But, but wait, there's yeah. more. There's yeah, more. Dan Slott's farewell to the Amazing Spider-Man. It's like you know what, this is good enough. Don't worry about it. We got you. Yeah, go I, right, I, Iron Man. I'm really not sure why they felt the need to extend it yet another issue when it, when they've wrapped everything up in this behemoth of a book. 
He's like, I have 22 more pages. Right. In I me. can <laughs> I can tear this character down even more with 22 more pages. All right. But, so failing marks all around for <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah. What was the score you gave it? Um, I didn't. I, I I'm I'm gonna I'm leaning towards, I guess a four, three and a half or a four, um, and highest grade of the night potentially. Yeah. I um, like I said I. Overall, I enjoyed it just because it was just kind of this action-filled book, and you know, I um, that I was. You're a Dan Slott apologist. Is that what you're getting to? No, I'm not actually. I just, I, I don't know. I just. <laughs> I love a I like, one point I, I, differential. I like has the, put no. Paul on the offensive. <laughs> point five. Point five. The point five. I um, I liked you know about half the art and uh, some you know, I, I think I. Also like the fact that yes, this was wrapping up everything, like this epic run for good or for bad. It was this epic run, but um, you know, at, at the end of the day, like I've had this epiphany that for me, Spider-Man is that friend that you had in high school that peaked in high school, that never did anything better than they did when they were in high school. They're still Spider-Man is the star quarterback of comic books, pretty much. Yeah, he's still living at home. He's still, uh, you know, working at the same fast food place. He still, you know, wears his Letterman jacket. Like nothing's changed. Nothing will ever change with Spider-Man. I mean, he'll he'll have some peaks and some valleys, you know, as far as the character's concerned. But he's always going to be uh, just the, you know, the, every writer wants to put that like that kind of sad sack tag on him. Like, oh, he's got that Parker luck, but he's still. You know he he's when he when it comes to being Spider Man he's the best but but his his personal life is always in the shitter except for the last ten years that Dan Slott wrote he's a billionaire um, well I guess he's a billionaire like he's a he was always kind of a genius inventor right but um, the whole Parker Industries thing just turned everything upside down I mean that was just Paul, weird when Paul Jenkins was writing it he was a substitute high school teacher. Um, you know, yeah, that's the same you know, thing whenever JMS was writing it. And what, that seemed to really fit with what the, that was the actually, soul of Peter Parker and, and what he would go on to And that be. was actually an evolution of – they finally, like, evolved the character. Like, they turned him into a – like, kind of an adult. Like, he was married. Yeah. He had a job. He had responsibilities. Yeah. And that was the first and only time I had – I was able to ever um, really relate to the character. Because at that time, it was like, I was like the same age. I was in my mid-30s. I had a job. I had a wife. You know, I was married. Had a, you know, and it, you felt like you could actually relate to what, you know, what he was yeah. going through as a, you know, in his personal life. And, and then for I some reason, that run. And then for some reason, they were like, ah, he's he's not relatable, even though he was at the peak of re- being relatable. And right. like, well, we got to throw him back to how he was in the 60s. Yeah. So. Yeah. I always, like, I've always preferred my characters to be sort of single like i think that leaves that leads to more story opportunities than if you tie them down with someone mm-hmm. but that entire jms arc when he's married to mj and you know they're having some some trouble like i that's my absolute favorite spider-man run and mm-hmm. since ever all the spider-man books i've read since when he's not with mary jane i'm like yeah this doesn't really feel like 
Spider-Man. And I think, I, I think maybe, you know, my question's coming out of this book. Like, do I like Spider-Man anymore? Maybe I've outgrown, you know, bumming around, you know, with a roommate looking for an yeah. apartment Spider-Man. Like, I, That's I, what I feel like. I love that, you know, grown-up, sort of adult, substitute teacher, married Peter Parker. Like, it was so engaging to me. And that was, that was a long, pretty long time ago now. Like when, like I don't think I was personally in that situation to relate to it. I just thought it was, it was really well done, and you saw the growth of that character. And we've seen other characters grow up. We've mm-hmm. seen Nightwing grow up. We've seen, you know, we've seen Bruce Wayne grow up to a certain extent. I mean, Clark. not as not as big a, of a growth spurt. Clark Kent mm-hmm. has had a similar kind of evolution. Mm-hmm. Got married. Had yeah. A kid. I think you can absolutely have that JMS Peter relationship. And lifestyle, and it mm-hmm. be a, a completely valid book. Use use Miles Morales for all your all your kitty nonsense. Yeah, that's a good yeah, that's a good point. Well, Ian, you 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 uh, I think unknowingly uh, segued us. It wasn't unknowingly. <laughs> Don't doubt my podcasting okay. acumen. I would never. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned Superman and Bendis's long-awaited Man of Steel number one came out. So, uh, well, let me. So, what was the uh, polynomics on this book? Oh, going into Man of Steel, uh, I my my excitement was probably I'd say was it a five. I have some uh, reservations about Bendis's writing, and um, my expectation was that's I'm gonna shoot for an eight. I want to say seven, but I'm gonna be bold. <laughs> and I'm going to say eight, because uh, I really wanted him to surprise me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you applying polynomics after you've read it? Yeah. Yeah, then we're going to talk about it, and then we're going to give our grades, our Wait. final grade. Uh, okay. I, that doesn't make sense, though. You're giving it what your expectation is after you've already read it. Yeah, but <laughs> Matt, I have a brain and can remember how I felt before well, I read this. My man. life didn't start after <laughs> I read this book. Does anyone else remember 12 hours ago before we read this? I don't know. I've been podcasting with you for a long time, and you usually can't hold it together for 20 minutes, so I don't know. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll run through my polynomics real quick. I had almost no expectations for this book. I didn't think I was going to buy it um, until we decided to talk about it today. Uh, my expectation was like a three. I haven't liked Bendis for quite a while. Um I don't like Superman either, so that was pretty much my expectation. It's a recipe for disaster. My, my excitement <laughs> was a two because, again, I don't like Superman. Right. You, we we went into this, and and Ian said, "I'm not getting this. I'm not buying this Man of Steel six issue thing." And then and then Dan was like, "Excuse Dan's me, like, hey, let's talk. Uh, <laughs> let's talk Man of Steel tomorrow." And then Sharply is like. I guess I'm getting Man of Steel. So I guess I, I owe everybody four bucks. No, no. no. <laughs> nope, I already bought it. I bought it. Matt, Matt. You owe me $10 because I wasn't going to buy Spider-Man. <laughs> what was, Matt, what was your expectation and excitement level? I, if I remember correctly, I was pretty excited about it. I felt like this was the, the thing that Dan Slot or, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> Brian Michael Bendis, I'm sorry. <clears throat> This was the thing that Brian Michael Bendis needed to kind of cleanse the palate a little bit. I felt like his Marvel stuff had gotten stale. Uh, I, I was always critical of 
Brian Michael Bendis for a totally different reason than Dan Slott. Dan Slott was because he, he sucks, but <laughs> Brian Michael Bendis was because his writing became a bit too there was too much Brian Michael Bendis injected into the writing. It was he was in love with his own words. So uh, I feel like earlier Brian Michael Bendis was better when he was newer at Marvel, like his early Ultimate Spider-Man, and um, a lot of people loved the Avengers when he first started that. Um, it just felt like uh, that was a different version of Brian Michael Bendis versus the more recent version. Mm -hmm. So I thought going to DC would kind of pull him back to the old way that he used to be. And um, also, I kind of wasn't digging what was going on in Rebirth Superman, so I was kind of excited about getting a, a fresh take on it. Um, so I, if I had to say, like, excitement, I was probably like a 7, and then expectations were probably about a 7 or an 8, I would, I would say. I mean, I could say my expectations match my, my overall score perfectly. But there's no winning in polynomics, so that doesn't matter. Now, Dan, are you a Superman fan? Uh, I'm a casual fan, and and that's even being generous. I um, read him sporadically. I I actually I liked um, uh, one of our other hosts, uh, Jared, got me to read. Um, Rebirth, like the Rebirth issues, and I, I thought they were pretty good. And I was because I was never really sold on him being like the husband and dad, and and it it you know it worked. Uh, whatever um, who was it, uh, Tomasi? Yeah, and Patrick Leeson. Patrick Leeson. Whatever they were doing, whatever. Uh, I mean, I, I always liked them as a as a creative team, but whatever they were doing with Superman and and Lois and Jonathan, it's it worked somehow. And when they announced. Bendis was coming over, and he was going to be taking over Superman. I was, I was, a little confused, and I was a little disappointed. And but it was almost, you know, it was almost like, okay, well, let's see what happens. And because uh, this is the flagship character of the entire company, and you know, the really, um, I mean, yeah, Bendis is, um, you know, he's Bendis. He's a name. I mean, he's like the name almost. Um, but you know they were. St I feel like it was still a gamble for them to put just put him on both of them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I wasn't really sure. <laughs> I wasn't really planning on, on buying this either, to be honest with you. But then it, I'd forgotten that it was coming out, and I was like, well, I, you know, when I was looking ahead to this record, this you know recording, and I was like, well, I need some stuff to read this week. Let me. I'm like, oh man, it's still well. This is it. Let's see what what he's done. And uh, yeah, I was I, I went in with some trepidation and some hesitation, and um, it was okay. I, I, I it wasn't like bad, but I wasn't you know I, I wasn't wild either. I, th I thought it was like it was like Bendis reining himself in for this first issue. He was like the least Bendisy. That I've ever read. That dialogue wants to make wise cracks so bad. Yeah, and, and and he made a few, and and they were actually pretty decent. But yeah, he was very, like, very restrained in yeah, his first issue. I was surprised at how much I liked this. I really enjoyed this issue. Um, 
I, as you guys just said, he was a little bit restrained, but maybe that's what Bendis needed. Yes. He, he needed to feel like, all right, I have to have a different level of care with this character because I'm going to be judged hypercritically about what I do with Superman. Mm-hmm. So this is my first outing. We're going to, we're going to try to take it and keep it right on a path. And I thought he did a really good job with that. Um, I kind of I, I I liked all the things that he did with the um, the the saving the burning building scene and the mm-hmm. interaction that he had with the um, with the firewoman I thought was kind of funny and kind of cute. Yeah, it humanized Superman a little bit. Um, that's always my biggest problem because he's so he's so mighty and, and oh he's I mean he's he's yeah he's like a god on earth I mean and that just isn't something that I'm ever interested in but his little flirty flirt with the fire chick I was <laughs> in man that was cool well, yeah this was very much Christopher Reeve Superman yeah but it was like was that a meat cute like what are they doing yeah I thought I thought the same thing I I don't know I I love that yeah he is a big god and everything and like. He knows he's a good-looking guy, oh, but sure. like he still has that like ah shucks when he's flying away, yeah. and like she gets kind of little flirty, a little flirty with him. Yeah, I wouldn't think that this fire woman is going to be a recurring character. I think oh it, you you big dummy. You do you think well, so? I think one hundred percent. I'm I'm a little on the fence because that was my first thought. Like oh they're intro- you know he's introducing new characters and and he he likes to write strong women. And you probably don't get much stronger than a woman who's like a firefighter or a fire marshal. But then I thought, if they continuously introduce her, there's gonna be a shitload of fires in Metropolis. Yeah, they're gonna be burning well, that here's, place down to here's the Here's why. Here's why I think we're gonna see a lot more of her. They did introduce this fire plot where there have been a lot. There's there have been a string of fires through Metropolis. Mm-hmm. So that's number one and two. All through the all through the uh, interview process leading up to him taking over. Superman, he he's been saying additive. I'm being additive. Mm-hmm. I I want to be as additive as possible. Mm-hmm. Lots of new characters in Metropolis. We're going to build up all of Metropolis around Superman. We're going to be additive. So I think, and that's one thing he's. I good think at. this guy or this girl, Melody Moore, is absolutely going mm-hmm. to be a re- recurring character. And I don't know if they're going to make it flirty because who knows where Lois is. Well, she's at the end of this book, so but she I would hope appears that, at the end of the book. Well, I would hope that yeah, they don't like, have this. What was that? Like because <laughs> say if they they continue with the flirty flirty, it's going to sort of damage Superman's good guy pristine. Well, he reputation. doesn't have to flirty flirty. Oh, okay, he can't. So they're just going to. We have. already covered how good looking a guy he is. He can't help it if Melody Moore's just you mm-hmm. know throwing herself at him. That's why I would think that they wouldn't keep her as a character that's going to really have an impact on the book because that kind of compromises who Superman yeah, is. Yeah, I don't think it's going to have that impact. I don't think they're going to turn this into a real romantic relationship. Right. But she's absolutely like okay. the new uh, Captain Sawyer. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Matt, you've been that. awfully quiet over there. A little too quiet. <laughs> Did you blow your load on Spider-Man? No, no. <laughs> uh, I liked Man of Steel better than Spider-Man, which wasn't that hard. That's not saying anything. Um, <laughs> he I gave, was, he gave was, Spider-Man the double two. I was pretty happily... I wouldn't even say surprised. I was, I was happy with the issue. I thought the issue was kind of what I was hoping to get out of it and what I kind of expected out of it. I thought that seeing uh, 
what what's the guy's name? Rorgar Zul or some ridiculousness? Oh, the, yeah, I, I can't I can't remember his name, but it, well, it's yeah, right here it's, in front of me. Let's <laughs> let's not cheapen it. Um, Rogalzar. Yeah, Rogal's Rogal what? Rogalzar. Zar. I think he's kind of cool. I think that at first I thought that that storyline was going to have a really poor implication and and kind of alter a little bit our perception of like what the Kryptonians were like, particularly um, Jarrell. But I don't think that that's actually the case. I think that because I thought he was like more affiliated directly with Krypton, but yeah, I did too. It, mm-hmm. it seems that that isn't the case. He yeah has like a long history of of kind of um, I don't know if he's like a world conqueror or a defender. I'm I'm not exactly. It, it's like he's clear. a yeah. I was actually kind of surprised, pleasantly surprised by how they introduced him in this book. That I thought. Just from the you know Action Comics 1000, we were, he was just like you said he was going to be this world conqueror, this monster or whatever, this you know, planet destroyer. But he was almost like an agent for this like consortium of it was almost like the Illuminati, but yeah, for like all these DC cosmic beings. Dan, do you know who those cosmic beings are? I was really hoping they were going to say the only one I recognized was just you know the guy who was one of the Guardians. Um, Ali oh, uh, Ipsa Appa. Yeah. Yeah, I, I recognize him and like um, is this ball guy Sardath from Ran? Is this guy with the beard uh, Scarlet maybe. Witch? <laughs> <laughs> and Odin? And Iceman from the nineties? <laughs> is that what's happening? Bold, Bendis. Bold. Yeah, like there's a guardian and I'm willing to bet that's Sardath, but like other than that, like I, I really want I, I wanted more information as to who these who these dudes are. Yeah. Like um, big male Scarlet Witch is off putting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the um the fellow with the goggles. That I mean like I, yeah, I don't recognize any of them. You know, I, and D C cosmic isn't my like that's not my strong uh, Dan, what did we come here for? But Paul, that's what you that's what that's what you took in college was you know, D C cosmic. I'm I I majored in D C Period. I monitored in Marvel Space. The best space, or the best Marvel? Space Marvel. <laughs> Couldn't be more wrong. Matt, so. you're so wrong. Yeah. So we like this new uh, this new bad guy. Yeah. I, I never uh, really love hulking, massive, I don't like him. bad dudes. I don't like the new bad guy. I, I think, think he's big and clunky. I think his design stinks. I'm with Ian. Well, I, 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 would, I don't like you know, well, big, hulking I think was, characters. I think he was a Jim Lee design. That's he probably was. why. Yeah. But um, I, Sorry. I find his – at least I find his, his motivations to be somewhat compelling. That he's – you know, that he's – you know – well, actually, I guess there – it's almost like a little bit of a Thanos ripoff that he's like, in order to save the universe, we have to kill Krypton. Well, it's, it's kind of weird to me because – the the motivations of Krypton have changed. They change in every comic book because half the time you read about Krypton and they're very agoraphobic. Like, they don't leave Krypton. That's why mm-hmm. Superman's the only Kryptonian is because they feared space travel. You know, they, feel, they feared outside worlds coming to Krypton. 
But then in this, they're like, oh, Krypton's been colonizing everywhere. So, like, what is DC? Mm. Make up your minds. I actually like the, the villain. I think that Superman... You 90s shill. I think Superman's rogues gallery <laughs> stinks. So getting yeah, I a agree new, with that. getting some new blood in there. Well, is you know what? I think you stink. Needed. needed. <laughs> uh, well, this is coming from the guy that likes Marvel space. It's the, the best, best space. Best space. Or I best think Marvel? I like Marvel space. I might like Marvel space better than DC space. That's a tough. What? It's that's tough. A weird, I'd really that's have a real weird. Call. That's a bold statement. I'd really have to think about it because yeah, Green Lanterns are coming in, for the guy with the Green Lantern. Right, tattoo. Green Lanterns yeah. are in DC space, but I think what Paul else does DC space have to offer? Really, I don't think DC utilizes DC space like they should. You have a shit ton of really cool stuff out there, like Ran and Thanagar, and they never use it. I read that Green Lantern book all the time, and it's always introducing new aliens, introducing new Green Lanterns. Let's use some shit we've already seen. Let's mm-hmm. continue to world build out in space and, like, really make this, you know, a coherent universe. Like, that's what Marvel does in Guardians. We're, we're always seeing, like, you know, the same little community of characters. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's unrealistic because space is so big, but it makes all the appearances and relationships a little more sound when you know who they are, they know who they are, and there's a familiarity with it. What I liked about this book is the... Um the character-driven nature of it. It's a very earnest story. Uh, and I think that this villain is going to make it even more personal. So I'm looking forward to that. What I didn't like about the book is probably Ivan Rias's artwork, which is <coughs> kind of all over the place. It's almost like that issue of Amazing Spider-Man, only it's drawn by the same guy. <laughs> but it feels like it's eight different people. Because sometimes it, it runs the gamut of being really good and it goes to being really poor. Really? I, I thought it, his his pages were pretty good, but then when you get to the very end, the <laughs> office scene with Jason Fabok, I was like, well, why couldn't we have this the whole time? I didn't realize that it was a different artist at first. I noticed it was better art. I was like, oh, man, he really kind of... Yeah, I was confused with that, too. Pulled it together in the last couple pages. I was like, why do we just give him a kitchen and an office to draw? He's pretty awesome. Yeah, right? No, um, uh, didn't Facebook only do the last two pages? That's what we're saying. Ian said the office pages. Did he not do this office page, too? No, I think that's right. He just did the two pages when they're at home. Well, then he's he's drawn the heck out of that that kitchen. Which I'm not sure why. So what you're saying is Rias turned it on when he got to the office. Yeah, 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 yeah. He can draw a cubicle, boy. (laughs) I I just must be a sucker for the mundane. Look at that that stapler. That (laughs) two-page splash that that Ivan Rias draws with Superman carrying the, the bad guys... That's really good. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, you know the the subsequent page where you see him flying toward you in those three panels, <laughs> like it's a different guy in each panel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know, Matt. That's a that's a harsh criticism. I feel like it, and just I mean, and I have no way of why. Well, of uh, knowing this for sure, but I feel like the it has a lot to do with the inking, and I, and I I think I think this was inked Joe, like it, Joe it, Prado in a traditional way, not like how everyone's a digital inker now. I think this was actually like pen and ink, like the way you can see the strokes, like it like be, between 
um, Rice's uh, more traditional style of, you know, like the uh, traditional superhero artwork and, like, line work. And Joe Prado's, I, I, like I said, I, I think these are actual ink inks, not, like, a digital ink. Um, I think it gives it, like, a <clears throat> almost like, I hate to say the word, like, a retro or a throwback because it wasn't that long ago when everyone was doing these books with pencil and ink. But, you know, I, I feel like this this book looks different than a lot of what we're used to now because it wasn't done on, you know, like a on an iPad or something. It was actually done on a, you know. On board. A, a, yeah, a tr- like in a traditional way. It, it, remi- it very much reminds me of like, like, act like, you know, old school uh, pen and ink art. I think this is a really good looking book. Um, I'm... I'll admit to being a bit of a shill for Ivan Reyes. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've been a fan of his since the Green Lantern. Um, so, yeah, like he's done a couple issues here and there of other books that I haven't thought were all that great. Um, but I think this one's this one's really good. Like I'm willing to give a pass to those three panels where he looks different because like the majority of the rest of it is like I I really like it. This is my style of comic or artwork. I think him and Jason Faybook are, you know, both sort of the same style. You know, they, those two and like Gary Frank mm-hmm. bring a lot of the same things to a comic. And I, I absolutely loved it. So is I didn't have a problem with the actual artwork in this. Is Jason Faybook going to be on more Superman stuff or is he going to be on, I don't, I don't know, know anything he's about doing, this book. He's doing the next man of steel. This Man of Steel run this four issue weekly. It's going to have four different so, artists. Okay. Oh, so so that's I it was why six issues. So that's why that he he did the last two pages because it's probably going to transition right into his. Yeah, into and then the I think issue. it's then I think Doc Shaner does three, and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez does four. Paul, this is four issues or three or six. Four. Okay. And then um in in July, action and Superman kickoff. Yeah, I mean um. Just the quality of this book so far and the cliffhanger nature of the end of the book. Mm. I'm kind of in. I think I'll probably continue to buy this. I'm really excited to see him uh, get busy even though he's still married and his wife's just disappeared. (laughs) That's clearly (laughs) the trajectory of this character. Well, he's disappeared with her, though, right? That's what I'm taking from this. You're you're saying that they both disappeared. I feel like the entire family (laughs) went away. You keep saying that she disappeared. They're all on the panel. They're all like fading away. No, I think this is. I, no. I think this is bad storytelling. If you guys don't understand what's happening. No, I understand what's happening. Matt, tell tell me what's happening. The Rorgar Zul or whatever his name is showing up, and and he's showing up in a big bright ball of light, and it's so bright it's overtaking the room. They're not disappearing. They're not going huh. anywhere. They just okay. they're blinded to the light. Okay. All right, Matt. I think because you. I think you have it. I think you also have it wrong. So in the last the last couple panels of the office scene, Clark looks down at his desk and like early earlier on in the office scene, you see like Lois clearly isn't there. He says something earlier in the book. He's like, "Ask Clark Kent or Lois," and then he stops and just says, "Oh, ask Clark Kent." So Lois is clearly gone at this point. So then he looks down at that picture and he's sad, and that's when this, these Jason Facebook pages come in because it's a flashback to what had happened. But they're not disappearing, Paul, because in the final page, huh. both his son is saying, Dad, and then there's a Clark. So they're not disappearing. Maybe something did happen, but they didn't vanish, man. Like, those are – that's they're both still in the All room. All right, that's fine, but something something happened that 
Superman is still there, but Lois isn't. And who knows the fate of John? All right. Well, we'll have to. I guess we'll just have to find out what happens. But they didn't vanish. I guess we'll have to find out next week. That's a. That's how you do a cliffhanger, baby. <laughs> if you morons understand what a cliffhanger was, I just said cliffhanger. I that's some of that McSauce heat for you, Dan. <laughs> I can take it. No, that's what? not to you. That's that's these. Dumb we should dumb put stuff. up a poll. What happened? <laughs> did did Lois disappear, or is she still here at the end as the last word balloon in the book? Yeah, put go ahead, put a poll up. I don't uh, no. This the this cliffhanger was so high concept, I was the only one that understood it. So you know what? I Paul, you might almost be right. Um Why do I feel a slam coming? No, no. I think that office scene is kinda like now and then the voiceover what do you call this? It's called a growth spurt. That is a flashback, but Leading up to the final panel of the story with the, plan, the with the panel going white, that isn't. It's not that um, that Clark or that Lois and um, Jonathan, Jonathan. And, Jonathan, and Jonathan disappear. Uh, something might happen after that, but they're still there at that point. I I stand by what I said. It's just a super bright light and the character is entering. Does. Okay. Does Superman push them into the void so he can get with get with Melody more? <laughs> <laughs> yes. This, yes. That's this exactly. is where Bendis loses everybody. <laughs> that is exactly what happens. Superman turns into Super Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that, Brian. Well, actually, you know what? If if Mark Miller was writing, yes, this, that would be. Then forget about it. Yes. Like Superman would be a piece of shit. The single the man of steel. Remember? How, remember how he wrote Captain America? In uh, the Ultimates, oh, yeah. major what a, what a dick. dick. So, I'm looking at something that leads me to to. Uh, that was uh, that was an unintentional pun, by the way. <laughs> Captain America gets demoted <clears throat> to major dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that that leads me to uh, think about the the theory that of the that they just Lois and Jonathan disappear because if you look at the second to last page. In the third panel down, there's a picture of Lois and Jonathan. And then if you go back to the Daily Planet scenes, he's got that same picture on his desk. Yeah, I mean, like, so they might be dead, but they didn't disappear at the end of the book. Well, we don't, we don't know. I think Lois at least disappeared. I'm so glad that this book comes out. This week, yeah. I'm <laughs> so, we so happy <laughs> so that this stupid conversation yeah. can be solved in this two isn't days. Stupid. This is what we do. <laughs> we stupid debate conversations. conversations. Well, yeah, I guess you're yeah. right. We're all going to be like, you know, midnight Tuesday night waits for Wednesday morning. Everyone's going to jump Wednesday on. morning. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pull it up on my iPad <laughs> yeah, that's and I'm going to screenshot it to this idiot. <laughs> and then you're going to realize, oh shit, Lois did disappear. <laughs> Why does it disappear? Why isn't it like she was murdered? I, why I don't is, think. Why is that the only way to get her out of the picture? I don't think she's. I don't think they're gonna kill. That's the only Lois thing now. I'll accept. By the way, her disappearing is the only way that Paul is right about this. If anything else happens, to I think her. I think she disappeared because in that in that twenty five cent issue, there's like the. Like Bendis's first like Superman story in there, and it's Perry in the Daily Planet office, you know, talking about how like he's very cryptic about how everyone's gonna have to like 
pull pull their weight because they're they're short staffed and you see hmm. Lois is cut out in that office and like her 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 office is empty. He even says, you know, Clark, you know, go ahead take that office. You always wanted it, and he's like, eh, I'm fine. Because I'm she's fine right dead. Here. So yeah, because I don't I don't think they killed her. I think she, I think she disappeared, and that's oh. going to be the mystery of this book is I, that. I see the cutout you're talking Rogel's about. Rogel's R takes her somewhere. It's in, it, it's in this issue. Kidnapping is different than disappearing. She disappears from that scene. Like, it goes white, <laughs> and then Clark's left by himself. She dis- I don't care how she disappears. Wednesday can't she disappears. come quick enough. <laughs> I'm going to be I'm gonna scare the shit out of Tom. I'm going to be banging down the door as soon as they open. Open Let me in there. <laughs> I need to prove Ian wrong. <laughs> So what do you give this book, Ian? I liked it. I uh, give it a six. Yeah, I, I liked it too. I'd, um, I'll give it an eight. Like, I, I really like this issue. It's it's early, very early Bendis on Superman. So I don't know if I have a lot of faith that he's not going to backslide into his Bendis ways. Yeah. But mm. man, did I love this Superman. It felt like Superman, and I was really hesitant because I really love the Tomasi Gleason run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I hated when Morrison introduced Damian Wayne years ago. Yeah, I was really hesitant when DC introduced Jonathan Kent uh, less years ago, but still still years ago. But both times, um, I hated Damian Wayne until Tomasi and Gleason did Batman and Robin, and then like the way they wrote Bruce and Damian's relationship, I was like, oh my god, this is really good. Like mm-hmm. these guys get how to write this father son dynamic. Um, so. I was less hesitant when they got Superman and were writing Clark and Jonathan together because they really nailed it. Like they really like got the you know family aspect and that father son dynamic and like Jonathan's just as much a part of the DC universe as Connor Kent was mm-hmm. because of those guys. So I was really sad to see them go and uh, you know hopefully hopefully Bendis knows what he's doing and he he can keep that core and that facet of Superman together. But I love the, you know, when, you know, he's kind of, he's not flirty with Melody more, but like, I, I love, I love that, that little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love the way he handles civilians. Yeah. Um, he does it in the 25 cent issue when Rogel's are shows up and those girls pull him out of the wreckage and they're oh, like, right. oh shit, he's so heavy. And then mm-hmm. he's just like real, they're like, oh my God, this guy's so hot. And he's like, stay safe, <laughs> stay safe ladies. And then takes off. <laughs> It's very, very cheesy, very, you know. Yeah. Uh, still, Reeves, still, Superman, the, still, the, still the Boy Scout. Yeah. Dan, did you like this book? What's your final score? Um, I'm going to go probably about the same, like a six. Mm-hmm. You know, it was um, it was enjoyable. It was better than I thought. Well, I shouldn't say it was better than I thought it was going to be, but I, I guess, like I said, going into it, I was a little nervous. Um, but because Bendis kind of, like I said, reined himself in, it um, – you know, it it felt like he he was taking it slow, and that's all I wanted. And um, yeah, the story's interesting. I'm um, definitely engaged, and and I'm gonna check it out next week. And yeah, I, which you know I, I haven't really been able to say that about any Superman book, and a while like previous to Rebirth, you know I, I really didn't care about Superman, um, but. You know, between Rebirth and this first issue of Man of Steel, I, I'm kind of, uh, kind of on the Superman train again. Yeah. So. All 
What about you, Matt? Uh, I'm I'm pretty aligned with uh, with you guys. I I probably would give it a seven. I want to give it an eight, but I think the artwork is holding it back from being an eight. Uh, I think the artwork's just too inconsistent. I I think that the next issue has the potential to be a great issue because I like the cliffhanger in this book. And with Jason Fabok drawing it, I'm sure we're going to see like a really cool throwdown between. Help me out, Ian. Uh, Ra's al Ghul. Ra's al Ghul and <laughs> Superman. Uh, I I think that it's going to be just. I have this feeling the next issue is going to be. Can I say classic? It's, yeah. I think it's going to be legit. I do. I'm excited. He did say I'm classic. And I'm so excited. He said that it. It's, <laughs> that it's going to be just two days. It's in two days. I can't wait. Oh, oh yeah, God. that's right. For very today. selfish Yeah, today's reasons. Monday. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read it at the Phantom. Why, I, why gonna, don't we just uh, meet at the Phantom? Yeah, I was going to say, night. I'm going to make a point to be at <laughs> the Phantom. You can read it to each other. <laughs> Do voices, though. I want, you know... What, what does, I get to be Arzal Paul, Rog does, or whatever. What your, yeah, what does your Rog Azul uh, voice sound like? He sounds like a garbage 90s villain. <laughs> I'm not doing a Razal Ghul impression. <laughs> or Rogalzar. Rogalzar. Rogalzar? Rogalzar. For whatever reason, that's a really tough one to lock why would down. They, why yeah. would they do that? Rogalzar. Yeah, I'm not sure. It needed to be alien enough, I guess. I suppose. What happened to his hair lip? He had that Jim Lee hair lip in the. We're gonna in... we're gonna see how he gets the hair lip. I bet. Oh, okay. What what eventually sends him over is gonna be the battle that gives him the hair do lip. Do you think. think? Do you think that he's arriving at the end of this issue? No, I think he's. I think he's contemplating his fate since that guardian slapped him down. So you don't think when everything goes white, that is not Rogal Czar's like? Oh yeah, I do. But I think I think those panels are there's millennia between them. I changed my mind. I think that the refrigerator just opened and (laughs) (laughs) Jonathan's getting a snack. (laughs) That's like the first panel of the next issue. He's like, what? He's got all this food. He's got like he's got like a gogurt or something. The fridge light is a nuclear bulb. (laughs) um yeah so if i yeah so a seven seven seven's good yeah that's a good number i expect the next one to be higher Mm, careful yeah just saying okay all right well um i guess we can uh we'll wrap this episode up as we uh talked a lot about these two books thanks for uh thanks for keeping me company on these in these uh two reviews is uh Way more than I thought we were going to get out of, out of these two books, but I guess I should have known better. That's what we do. We squeeze the life out of comic books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot for having us, Dan. Yes, oh, no you. problem. Thank you. So um, we go, go around the room uh, one more time and tell us uh, tell us where we can find uh, find you guys. Ian, a little quick housekeeping. Yeah. You can find us at com. We have... Uh, web comics podcast. We used to do reviews. We kind of used to do comics. You can now we still, just do them here. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you can you can find all of that stuff um, at mixos.com. We have a Facebook page. We have a YouTube channel. We have an Instagram page, and you can also find us on Twitter. Um, hit us up at mcsoss on any of those social media sites. Cool. 
All right. Well, um, thanks again for uh, for being here, guys. This has been uh, episode two seventy six of the Comic Book Pit. I'm Dan, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>